Happy Sabbath. It's great to be back here once again. And uh, the topic that I decided to uh, work on this morning is rather heavy, but one I think is kind of important, right? So um, it's entitled Anxious About Anxiety. And I thought it good to just compare with what's going around because of the pandemic and, um, you know, the situation in Europe and all of that that encompasses perhaps just our daily thoughts and prayers and what can we do about it, all right? So, a few questions. Um, perhaps it has occurred in your mind. Perhaps you have maybe even bothered by it. For example, is being anxious a sin? Um, perhaps we struggle with it and we wonder because of that, does it mean that we lack faith? And thirdly, and that's where I want to spend the bulk of our time, is what can we do? Right? Just a small suggestion. I'm mindful that this is a, uh, perhaps a topic that some of us contend with. And if you do so, I would just say it's natural. It's in fact even normal. All right. But so let me just show you the first two questions. You know where I'm going with this is that if it's a part of our reality, I would just want you to know you don't have to worry about it being a sin, right? And share with you a few passages that hopefully will bring you hope, okay? So, I thought it good that it has to contend with the current realities. WHO, right? The uh, Director General gave a media briefing last month and in that briefing, he stated a number because the number jumped and I at once thought about it and I said, wow, what does this mean? Right? For all that has happened in the first, first year of the pandemic, the global prevalence of anxiety and depression increased by more than 25%. Well, some reasons are very obvious. Some may not be some depending on the situation, the outlook, and all of that. It just zoomed up, accelerated. Now, I thought it important to zoom on a certain point that was brought up. And nothing against you all, whatever. Just, this is just a statement that was made very generally. And what's the statement? The review by WHO found that females are more affected than males. Okay? And younger people, especially those aged between 20 and 24, were more affected than older adults. There are several reasons, perhaps. I'm not going to go through that. What I want to go through is just to say that this is in general. And if you happen, happen, huh? to be perhaps some of those that are more affected than others, then maybe 
let's go to the source of comfort. So that's my intent, all right? So this was done in Singapore. So that was WHO, but in the Singapore context, if I may say, because I'm in this space uh, trying to do my level best to be of help, um, if I may say that the pandemic is, has brought a little silver lining, and this could be the lining, and that lining is of an added focus to talk about it, to preach about it, the taboo, the stigma, to bring it up to attention that we will finally do something about it and the whole approach. A task force was formed and a task force did a survey. They surveyed about a thousand plus people. I, was, I wasn't sure of all the uh, details as in whether it was um, you know, stratified to be representative, I'm not sure. But the next few figures that, uh, you know, were found out are pretty important, all right? So how does it look like? It looks something like this. Now, I'm not sure whether you can see it because this I took directly from the report, but it says here that 8.7% of those surveyed, so it's about 1,000 plus, 8.7% of those surveyed met the criteria for clinical depression, right? In the past two weeks of they being surveyed. So that amounts to about 92 people, right? They mentioned here N is 92. As in this, you know, qualified to be, you know, stated as depressed. 9.7% or 99, close to 100, met the criteria for clinical anxiety. Now, all these are using validated scales, right? And 9.3% met the criteria for mild to severe stress. So, if I do some kind of projection, so in any kind of gathering, all right, if I were just to transpose these pictures, then about 10% of us face that. And within perhaps a taboo or stigma of a religious community gathering together, then I'll be saying that, wow, cannot talk about it. I believe we should talk about it. I believe we should talk about it in the context of what the Bible tells us what the Bible tells us to help us. That's my context, that's where I'm coming from. Not in the context of condemning. I hope at the end of the sermon, you will be filled with hope and not greater anxiety. So I'm addressing the fact that there are numbers out there, but today, because the focus is on anxiety, then I will fairly say about Maybe 10% of us here probably had that. So what does it mean? But let's look. Now, you can't see this, but um, this is the global mental health. Uh, not direct correlations, as in comparisons, but general figures. And it's mind-boggling. You go around the world, 
and you see some even have like 43% of those surveyed were anxious. Some correlational uh, links were found in that the people were concerned about what was being done for them. What were the resources? What were the relief and all that? So to that extent, then they felt the confidence in their authorities giving for them. So worldwide. So some places uh, where the COVID cases were controlled very well, lower anxieties. But overall, globally, it was messy. And in that context, then we can say, in Singapore, we fared not too bad. But that's not the point. The point to me is that, imagine telling those people who are feeling bad, not too bad. It doesn't give them comfort, right? So what is it? Now, my concern was earlier because uh, it was revealed that the younger people were more affected. And you know, my, I have put my whole life work in working with young people, and uh, it is of concern. And so, to compare the data, this was in the task force report. They compared the data from surveys done by the National Youth Council. A little bit telling, all right? They found that 52% of those polled felt it, felt concern. And so it triangulates the data that was globally, right? But what were they concerned about? What were they so anxious about? About the future, 53%. About money, 41%. About performance, academic or at work, 40%, 39%. And so within this context, then it's safe to say that we probably need to deal with it. And so I, I, I offer to you what I have extracted Bible passages, right? So we're going to zoom in into one, uh, a small chunk that's taken from the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus himself, you know, delivered. And that's in Matthew chapter 6. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, our scripture reading, I will offer as one of the antidotes. There are two antidotes in terms of to counter the toxin that we may be facing. So Philippians chapter 4 is the first one. And Proverbs chapter 12. Interesting one, and we're going to zoom in that. And to sum up with 1 Peter 5, 7. Okay, so for the first passage, uh, I'm going to go through kind of like commentary, share with you what Jesus say it and then comment on that and probably ask you some questions along the way all right and towards the end of my message is to just share some practical tips that may be of help okay so let's let's dive in 
Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus uh, addressed the concern about worry, it's interesting that he starts that segment by making a statement. And that statement he made was found in verse 24. And that statement is that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. So that's a general statement. So you can only serve one. You cannot straddle. You cannot half year out there. Right? To place your bets equally. You cannot. You can only serve one. And then Jesus states this. You cannot serve both God and money. Right? That is a general statement. You cannot serve God in some uh, versions, they say mammon. Cannot serve God and money. And then he begins his discourse about worry by the connecting word, the conjunction. The conjunction is therefore. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. You see the connection? So he's asking us to choose. And embedded in the choice, if you choose right, then you don't have to worry at all. So in a summary, right, I would say that. If you choose right, you don't have to worry at all. And now, a little discourse. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. So don't worry right, if you choose right. But you can only choose one. You cannot choose two. Okay? So what does this mean? Where's your focus? Is it heaven or earth? Is it heaven or earth? What are you focusing on? What do you spend your energies on? Where? Heaven or earth? Right? Just think of that thought, alright? This is in no way condemnatory. I'm just asking us to think about those questions that if we think through them, we will find our own solutions. Right? No need to go for counselling or therapy. Right? So today is a sermon come therapy free. Huh? Where's your focus? Heaven or earth. Think about it. Alright? And this is a powerful statement. Do you possess your possessions or are your possessions possessing you? Think about it. Recently, I went through a painful experience because of COVID in the sense that there's one particular cupboard I didn't open. Didn't have to. And so that day, and actually the cupboard contained my name cards. So because now in-person meetings have started, so I was like, okay, I'm going to look for my name cards. And as I stretched into the cupboard, it was open. <gasps> to my horror, I found mold. Mold in my cupboard. Now, mold is not something you like, never mind, la, mold, tomorrow will be gone. No way. So I was like, uh, never mind, don't take name card like close the cupboard and go away. It doesn't go away at all, right? So I went through the process of decluttering. 
Just a cupboard with about three shelves. Some of those layers, files and folders had mold, so we had to clean. But I was like, wait, uh, I clean for what? Uh? <laughs> and then my dear wife, Adeline, told me, hey, some of these are, wow, 20 years old, you know. You never touch it, you still use it. Uh? I say, we hey, cannot, cannot. It's a word we use, it's called Oh, this one cannot, it's called history. It took me about three days to clear that three shelves. And then I was preparing this sermon. Are your possessions possessing you? And guess what? I threw all away. <laughs> I haven't regretted yet. But why is that link? Why? Heavenward? Earth. Future? History. Where? And so, when Jesus was challenging us, right, he's saying, why do you need to worry then? Do you worry where your treasure is? There your heart will be. And then Jesus points out a very, very powerful fact. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Implication is that look at the birds. They're so free, and they are being fed. The Father feeds them. Why do you worry? Right? So once again, something for us to reflect. But here's the basis of it. Do you believe that the Lord will provide? Do you really believe that the Lord will provide? Do we see all the obstacles? Do we see all of that? I'm challenging you. Do you doubt what Christ is telling us? Do you believe that the Lord will provide? And here's the interesting twist. There's a little humor and he says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And some versions even mention about heights. Can you add a single inch to your height? Now, I'm not saying anything else. Huh? Better keep quiet. Because huh? some of us want to be taller, right? But can you worry and add height? Cannot. So the answer is obvious. So what is the purpose then of worrying? First, worry takes energy. Worry involves time. Think about it. Right? So, Christ then points out, it's so humorously, he says that, you know, can you add anything else? Right? In fact, very technically, why do you worry? Can you do something about it? You can, then do it. You can't, then never mind. Right? So, I mean, very, very practical questions to be asked. And then he goes on to say this, a comparison now. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of this. No comparison. Father provides. Father provides everything. Why then do we need to worry? 
If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you? And that is where the link sometimes we uh, focus a lot on, you of little faith. So here's the first, um, you know, perhaps incident where we compare. Maybe our anxiety shows that of little faith. But see where Jesus puts it in his sermon. He gives you the evidence and tells you. And yet there's a little humor in it. So the you of little faith is that maybe your faith has been misplaced. Maybe your reference points are wrong. You just need to re-correct them, reorganize them. And in fact, he goes on to say, you know, do, do you really believe that the Lord will provide? Do you trust Him enough? Because He provides this point. So don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans or the non-believers, run after all these things. Run, literally run, sweat, toil, labor. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Key word is needs. <laughs> I, must clear, I must qualify and clarify. The Lord provides for our needs, not our wants. Right? It'd be good if you put a want as a need. <laughs> Right, so not all wants are needs, yeah. But the Lord provides for our needs, and that is the situation where our faith lies. Where do you put our focus? Do you really trust in God? If God provides for all of this, evidence are so clear, then maybe you need to relook at where you are looking at things, right? And therefore. Do you trust Him? Do you trust that, you, that He will provide? And here comes a very famous verse where we hear it all the time. And sometimes we feel guilty. Right? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So I placed it in terms of um, what are your priorities? What are your priorities? Are you seeking those things and then having found them or perhaps think you have found them, then you look for God? Or do we search for God first and then God provides all these things without you having to run after them? That's a matter of priority and order. What are your priorities? So embedded in that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was telling the disciples and more. What are you looking at? Where are you looking at? And therefore, there's a little twist here. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. This sounds very singlish. Ayah, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow enough problem already. Think about it. Today. Just think about today. And so it's a matter of what I put as pace yourselves accordingly. When you pace with God, He provides everything just for what you need today. 
And that's it. Why do you spend today on tomorrow? Now, I'm not saying you don't plan. Huh? Plan. We need to plan so we don't have to worry. But how do you plan? You place your plans in alignment with His plan if you prioritize them. Okay? And so, we just journey with that thought of our priorities. Do you believe that God will provide for you your provisions? Do you believe in His promise that He says, don't have to worry about tomorrow because it will be taken care of. Worry about today. And if you worry about today, place your trust in God. He will provide. Alright? And so, one of the things I thought it good is to say the antidote. Because having heard that sermon, having looked at the sermon, it may be nothing to us. We still worry. So, I put it in the form of an antidote to the toxin. And perhaps say that uh, there's some point here, it's a very, very classic um, Bible reference. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what's the formula here? Formula is this, okay? Um, anxieties do come our way. Worries do come our way. Right? It's not so much that we cannot have them. Because it just comes. But as they come, what can we do about it? So, it's not a theological point then to be arguing or say, no, you cannot have any kind of worry at all. No, no, no. Let's be practical. It's interesting. Uh, from my seminary, I come from the branch of a school that's called practical theology. It's almost saying like theology is not practical. <laughs> so, we have been trained to like provide and look at text and say, okay, so... What does this mean? What does this mean for us? So I'm going to share with you, right? So this is how it looks like. Number one, if you have worry, convert it to prayer. It's okay. You can talk to God about what your worries are. Tell Him. Tell Him. However, don't whine. Different, huh? So, if, 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 I, if I go back, I'll show you, right? So, you see, there's nothing here about whining. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by whining, no, no, I never say that. By prayer and petition, petition is like poof off, huh? with thanksgiving. Very heavy qualification there, with thanksgiving, right? So, you don't go and whine. How come I don't have and all that? No, with thanksgiving. What, what the thanksgiving can we give? And here they find in positive psychology, they find that the practice of gratitude makes a lot of changes. Every day, think about three good things that have happened in your life before you go to sleep. Let's be my practice. What am I thankful for? Alright? Anything that happens when you develop that kind of posture and poise, you will be more aware of God's goodness and provisions. If we are covered every day by whining, we don't see it all. 
how come I don't get this, why this, why me, and all that. Right? And sometimes in counseling, when they come in, they say, why, 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 cannot tahan, right? So I, I just say two words, why not? Why not? They're like, huh? You're supposed to help me. I don't know. No, why, why not? So with thanksgiving, worry comes in, and some are true worries. Because sometimes parents here, you worry about your children. Right? You worry. Valid. But convert that worry into a prayer. Present it to God. Why are you worried? In that context, God, I'm worried because this, this, this. But with thanksgiving, but God, I'm thankful. Okay? And, and here's the point I want to link up. The thankfulness is always about reflection. And reflection is about memory. Most of us are afflicted with spiritual amnesia. We forget. In fact, Alan White says we have nothing to fear for the future except as we forget how the Lord has led us in the past. That's what we are worried. So, banish away amnesia, be thankful, present to the Lord. Then it doesn't become a whining. It becomes an exercise of gratitude and placement of faith. And later I'm going to share with you Start a prayer journal. It's powerful. Why? In your prayer journal, write down your anxieties. Every day. But leave some space. Because when the Lord answers, write it. If possible, write it in red ink. This is how the Lord answers. And after a season, you're going to see, wow, this is what I worried. And the Lord answered. This is my worry, and the Lord answered. And you're going to see a pattern. And that pattern is going to boost you up because we forget. We forget. Right? So that's antidote number one. I found antidote number two very powerful, surprising. Okay, before that, here's the outcome Philippians 4 7 shares without the, the outcome. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds to Christ Jesus. This is a very powerful verse. A few things here. Number one, the promised outcome is a peace that passes all understanding. You can't describe it until you experience it. It's so hard to explain to someone. Because why? That peace that transcends all understanding will protect your thoughts and feelings. Because if we go back, the verse says what? Guard your hearts and minds, hearts, your emotions, your feelings, minds, your thoughts. And so the peace will come after you present. Now here's the thing. I looked at the verse, I didn't say that God will answer our prayer. I, I looked for it. He didn't say that God said, okay, whatever you ask, you will be get. No. He says, instead, the peace comes. And that's the difference. So we are praying for peace. The peace that will protect your thoughts, your feelings, your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. 
And here's antidote too. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. There are two parts to it. I thought it's interesting because in the King James, New King James Version, it says this. I didn't say this because I was reading the NIV. And then when I did the parallel uh, comparison, it says anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Wow. The two go together often. Depression, anxiety, a pattern, a spiral. They go together. They, they are companions. You don't want them. Right? And so, right, embedded in there is the antidote. And the antidote says a good word. And I like to see two ways of this good word. And that good word is, firstly, what good word are we pursuing? What are you consuming? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you hearing? What are you browsing through? What's in your feed, in your mobile? What occupies your mind? What is it? Is it good? How do you know it's good? Comparing. Lifts your heart. Does it? Does it? This is where we have absolute control. Seriously. It's what is your habit? What are we pursuing? Because it's true. Proverbs 12, spot on. A good word lifts it up. So that is on the first context. The second one, this is where we have a part to play in our horizontal experience, and that is, are you appreciating others? Are you? Are you? Well, all look, suddenly look also guilty. Yeah. Can you turn to the person beside you and say, I appreciate you? Okay? And mean it, huh? <laughs> mean it, huh? All right? There is more hunger for affirmation huh? than there is for physical food. Do you know that? And embedded right there in Proverbs 12, 25, it says this, a good word lifts up the heart. When was the last time you affirmed someone? Apart from just now. When was the last time? Why do we find it so difficult? Eh? And sometimes we find it so difficult to affirm the one closest to us. You know that? Right? They, they, should, they should, no lah. No, 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 no. They don't. Why, why do you find it so difficult? So the practice of it if you think about the antidote about worry, anxiety goes to if you hear often words that lift you up, that appreciate you, that affirms you, you will have that strength. When you are always hearing, and I hear that a lot from the kids that I work with, they say, my mother is a neck. I said, no, 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 it depends on how you look at it. Because then we teach them love languages, the five love languages, right? So the practice of affirmation is really, really powerful. But here's the reality then. And this is where we have our control, right? Maybe our parents are a bit tough, okay, fine. So I'm going to ask you then, what good company are we keeping? So honestly, do you have five friends? Roughly, do you have five friends? Don't have. Oh, more. All right. 
You have more than five friends. Wow, God bless you. Really good. But here's a question. Are those five friends good for you? <laughs> then drop them. Unfriend them. All right. Someone says that we are the sum of our five friends put together. Why? You keep on listening to nonsense and negativity from them. Sooner or later, you're going to spew nonsense. And if your daily life is not about pursuing good stuff, you are just going to be an evangelist of toxicity. Not the good news. So once again, it's a time for self-reflection. Are we in good company? If they are not, honestly, drop them. So here comes the other side to it. Are we good company? Are we good company? It goes back to the previous one, Philippians 4, 6. Present your request with thanksgiving. Are we thankful people? So somewhere there lies the answer to how we can tackle some of the anxieties that we face. All right? And the last verse I want to look at today, very practical one, and embedded inside. In First Peter, Apostle Peter doesn't mince his words. He really goes right into it. He says this, cast all your anxiety on him. Cast all your anxiety on him. Not just some, not selected ones, but all. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Why? Here's the reason. Because he cares for you. He cares for you. And that's the first basis of it all. You are cherished. Regardless of how you feel about yourself, okay? Regardless of how or what other people tell you, you are valued. You are cherished. Because Christ died for you. And therefore, you can cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. That's the difference. The reason why we go to God and present all our requests and do all that, He opens the way because He cares for us. So I thought it just to reflect on these four passages and perhaps to end this sermon with just some practical steps. Right? Um, I thought it good. These are the practical steps. First one, to manage your anxiety. Of course, on, on, on the left hand side, you see it's building good habits. It's building habits that create positivity. But just go. Number one, convert your worries to prayer requests. It's not wrong to have worries, but it's not helpful to dwell on them. Take your worry, put it as a prayer request, and track them. Prayer journal. Create a diary, maybe even electronic one, but sometimes the physical one feels better as you get into the habit of writing and updating 
when your prayers are answered. You will be amazed, you'll be surprised because you will remember how you felt back then when you asked. You were anxious. But when God answered, guess what? Your anxiety will be gone. Seriously. Remember that feeling. What is that feeling you had when God gave you an answer beyond your imagination? That thrill, that peace that passes all understanding. Remember that feeling. Write it down. Write it down. Right? So keep this journal. Keep it going. Number three, tell a trusted friend. Have one at least. Tell the person how you feel. If you're, you can be honest, you're feeling down, and that friend, because you trust, will help you. Seek help. If you need seek help, professionally, medically, go for it. Don't delay. Often, that help will be more powerful if you have come earlier. But go for it. Number five, I know it's a bit hard for some of you, sleep well. And sometimes, if you have a problem that you cannot solve, go and sleep. Because what happens in your mind, God has blessed us with the ability to defragmentize all that, and next morning you wake up, hey, you see it clearer. Trust me, I've done it countless of times. Sleep well. Strengthen your body and mind. Right? This is not a uh, sermon about new start, but this is where I would, I would talk about old new start. Yes. Strengthen body and mind, but above all, keep and may and perhaps also be good company. All right, so may the Lord add his blessings to the word today. Amen. May I invite the congregation to stand as we sing our closing song.
receive the benediction. May the almighty power of God go with you and the peace that got your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus be present in your life that whoever comes in contact with you will also receive that blessings. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. <laughs>